and welcome to the About to Interview podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. This is a supplemental version of the About to Interview podcast, which drops every Wednesday and covers movies, TV shows, film festivals, and more. You can follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. And make sure to subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This show focuses solely on the conversations that I have with authors, directors, actors, and creators, and is available on YouTube as well as subscribing to the podcast. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up, and check out the full show notes with links to the guests at abouttoreview.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into this week's edition of the About to Interview podcast, which is a subsidiary of About to Review. I am at Daily Magic Productions here in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle, a local VR studio, and I'm sitting down with Nicole Jekic and Mariana Vallejo. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, and being that this is an audio medium, and even though we can see each other, uh, Nicole, Tell us about yourself. Oh, absolutely. So um, I work here at Daily Magic Productions as a production assistant. So um, basically that involves me working with all the producers of Mm -hmm. the different game projects uh, and helping them out get the game uh, towards final production. So that's anything from copywriting to doing some Q&A and feedback to getting promotional materials ready. Um, And how uh, John and I met is uh, I basically also have been doing a lot more community outreach. Mm -hmm. So uh, getting us ready for conventions, uh, doing community newsletter, social media, that kind of stuff. Uh, And so kind of started that this this past summer a little bit more and, uh, you know, ran into John at uh, Seattle Indies, which is how, yeah, got introduced. Absolutely. And Mariana, and you're the CEO of this amazing company, Daily Magic Productions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I run the studio. I do a lot of design work. I do a lot of producing. And I do some business development and financial boring stuff. And hopefully <laughs> one day I can delegate it to somebody else. And I started this company uh, about seven years ago because I love mystery stories and horror movies and mm-hmm. um, similar games and i played the game called mystery case files return to ravenhurst and decided to make a something like that and mm-hmm. that's how it all started okay so that first game that you made in that horror genre which was that it was um dark dimensions city of fog okay yeah there was a game inspired by the movie Skeleton Key and it was about some reincarnation experiments Uh, there was um, a small town uh, in US and uh, it it was like late 1800s and a local doctor his wife died and he uh, knew uh, he found out about this dark magic ritual that can bring her back to life and for that, he would need to sacrifice a younger uh, girl that has similar uh, like face features and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he found that girl and he killed her and he performed dark magic. And that put all the city into darkness because that was a side effect of that ritual. 
and you as a detective come into town and discover all that and remove the fog <laughs> nice so wait, dark magic has repercussions that that seems weird. I'm, I'm not sure about that. It has repercussions, but uh, it makes for good uh, sequels. So Dark Dimensions is just one of the kind of six franchises that we ended up uh, building with uh, uh, in partnership with Big Fish. I was working in Real Or Studios and mm. in a company called Bitrix, and I uh, knew about Big Fish back then and. They just started bringing that genre to more of a mass market. Gotcha. And I decided it was the right time to build my own studio and to do those kind of games I like. Yeah, so tell me what it was like when you decided to, going from a larger studio, what was it like when you made that decision to go out on your own? Uh, it was it was very hard times. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it was in like... I intentionally made it a little harder than it should be because it was a very small team and we were like walk, working out of the rental apartment mm -hmm. and we could rent it an office for the same money, but we just thought that we need to follow this romantic stereotype. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And overall, it was like way more responsibility than I thought and I had to do like a hundred jobs at a time mm -hmm. and I learned like coding from scratch and even oh, wow. doing like art and I wasn't even supposed to but I had to so yeah and every little thing that went wrong I was responsible for it and nobody oh, else no <laughs> pressure then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it went like first game was kind of successful and it was much easier like second year mm -hmm. after we released that first game and then we just built a process and we um were releasing just game every two or three months oh, yeah wow. and we made we released 25 games with big fish by this date Okay, that is a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah, the Daily Magic is pretty good as far as uh, uh, really pumping out the games, and so mm -hmm. that's uh, you know our when we worked with Big Fish, like that's kind of how we got our start. Is we did that for was it seven seven years, uh, where we were like, okay, we're gonna make another game in the series, we're mm -hmm. gonna continue the storyline, and we're gonna keep putting in you know the the hidden object and the puzzles that people kind of expect, and so we did that for yeah seven years until we decided to basically switch over and become more of an indie studio and work on our own IPs. So with that, so kind of go through that process of, you know, for people who are not in the gaming community, so you create the game and then you work with a company like Big Fish to help you publish the game or kind of how does that relationship uh, pan out. Yeah, so the the relationship with Big Fish is uh, they were our publisher, and so they did all of the uh, marketing and promotion um, for us, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so and they had all the the stats as far as like players go, and uh, a lot of the analytics that you kind of use to to build like marketing and promotion and and direction on where you should take certain games and things. Okay. Yeah, and they were also producing games as well. So mm -hmm. there was a assigned producer who was working with us on a daily basis, just looking at builds and giving feedback, um, just telling if it's on par with market and what players expect those days. Because the the quality bar raised a lot over the years, and like yeah. it started with very simple games, and it ended up being like a blockbusters with like blowing 
helicopters and uh, <laughs> monsters running around, things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I was able to play a few games today uh, here while I had been at the studio. Uh, some mobile games, you know, one of which is along those horror lines, and that is out right now. Uh, so Sender Unknown. So that game is available on platforms now, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that one has kind of, the way that Nicole was explaining it to me, has some detective elements to it, but also has those creepy elements, especially when it comes to the score and the soundtrack. So can you tell a little bit more about Sender Unknown? Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, we got the the full title, uh, Sender Unknown. The Woods is kind of a... Uh, gives you the the setting on where we're going to start. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of set in the Ozarks. You, um, as the player, get a mysterious text from uh, Morgan, who is in peril. Um, And as kind of a text-based adventure storyline goes, uh, you basically kind of chat back and forth with Morgan to find out the situation Mm -hmm. uh, that they're in. And... uh, Basically, if you've ever done like horror movies like Saw or uh, kind of blanking on some other ones, but basically there you have like a mastermind and there's also uh, puzzles, uh, mm-hmm. whether traps or kind of other, you know, more more creepy kind of puzzles and stuff that you basically help Morgan and friends kind of solve along the way uh, in order to reveal kind of a bigger uh, mystery and kind of a bigger, uh, uh, I guess, what do you call that? Uh, mastermind at the end mm-hmm. of it yeah and this was a game that you know as i'm playing it and and texting with this stranger you know and it feels real so there's a, a lot of disconnect when it comes to video games just in general but with this because you are texting and you're choosing a different response to have it had that authenticity where it just it felt like it was actually happening because you are engaged in this conversation with morgan Mm-hmm. So that was a really unique element that I liked. Yeah, and you and you touched on, uh, you know, you have a little bit of uh, different choices on what you can do uh, in the game. So you have three dialogue options with which you can choose from to kind of answer Morgan or other characters mm-hmm. um, as they text you. And your answers will kind of determine, you know, how they react. Uh, you also notice that it builds up your different stats that you have. Right. Uh, so, you know, trust, uh, empathy, things like that. And those trust, uh, those, those trust, those stats come up later in the game at more crucial decisions. So basically, uh, some decision might come up later in game where you need to test your trust stat. Mm-hmm. If you have a high enough trust, you should be able to hopefully convince that person of what it is that you choose from. Similar to games, you know, like Mass Effect, you know, where you have multiple choices based on the interactions with the person, and those can have repercussions as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. So with that game, you were saying that has a relatively smaller team. So. And Mariana, you have teammates and offices across the globe. (laughs) So with things like Skype and other kind of cloud-based collaboration tools, what are those extra challenges when you have teams across the world? Um, So for this particular game, for the Center Unknown, the uh, writer who did all the work... She lived in uh, um, Chihalis. It's a city like three hours away mm-hmm. drive from here. And uh, it was n- not that challenging to work over Skype and stuff, but 
I did need to see her maybe two or three times mm -hmm. during the work because I just need to like express my feelings right. <laughs> in person. <laughs> yeah, so it, like creative wise, you do need to do some FaceTime with people and it's maybe impossible to not do it and create a good product together. And with other stuff with like more routine things, is actually very effective if you don't see each other and you just have a bunch of task lists and like mm. build up process and you just get it done. But in the beginning in pre-production and like discussing ideas and uh, expressing your vision and stuff, you do need to like talk to everyone over mm -hmm. any channel, but you need to like see the face and you need to show that you're excited about the game and right. you need to see how they're excited. Everyone needs to be excited or <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> Very true. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so after I played Sender Unknown The Woods, full title that I did not say earlier, uh, so then, then I transitioned to a completely different style of game called Royal Legacy. Oh, yes. <laughs> so. Ro Ro Royal Legacy is our... Uh, yeah, kind of much more complicated game mm -hmm. uh, as Incredibly you kind of... Incredibly ambitious yep, project. Yep. Very, very ambitious. So it's kind of more of a RPG-based uh, campaign mm -hmm. uh, set, and it's still a mobile game, uh, but you are basically tasked with, a, with going into this kingdom that's been kind of taken over. Uh, it's all kind of full of dark magic and that kind of thing. And you are basically tasked with, uh, you know, getting rid of all the dark magic and turning the kingdom back into one that's, you know, nice, pretty, light. Mm -hmm. and, unicorns, uh, rainbows. Yep, oh, unicorns, yep. rainbows, all of that. And, uh, you know, kind of build the kingdom back in your name. Uh, and so with a lot of RPG uh, games, you have uh, characters that you bring with you on these different uh combat quests that you do throughout the game mm -hmm. uh, and you have a team of characters that you can kind of customize based on their class you can upgrade their different abilities you can uh, both buy and find different uh, weapons and equipment in game as well mm -hmm. so you have that yeah, you have a lot of different things that you can do in game uh, and we kind of gave you a quick overview of the uh, you know, it's about 75 to 100 different locations that you could go on the map. Uh, and then there's, again, dungeons and stuff that you can go into uh, in the sub kind of per parts of this game. Which is just crazy, <laughs> yeah. especially for a mobile game to have that much depth where you have 75 to 100 standard, quote unquote, you know, levels, plus ones that you can go deeper into with the character creation, the modifications. It was pretty intense. And... Full disclosure, they kind of dropped me on level like 27 <laughs> yeah. and they just watched me get destroyed. Yeah, that was a yeah, there was like a lich and a couple of uh, pretty bad skeletons. So, yeah, yeah it's definitely one. Thanks you, for that. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. <laughs> just throw you in the deep end. But mm -hmm. uh, without even knowing really what to do. And yeah. then after they're like, oh, you can upgrade this. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> that helps now. And then I went back to level five. Did great. Yep. So yep. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a game you can't really skip to the end. No. Yeah. No, it, this is. I mean, but it is a game where I feel like when you start at you know level one or you know that first thing, you really get a feel for the characters, what you can do with them, the various gems that you can collect, and stones and gold and resources. It helps your mind kind of wrap around this huge world that you are then exposed to. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the world definitely feels very familiar. You know, it's kind of in that like bright uh, high fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have the character classes that you recognize. You know, knights. We have pirates. We have rogues. We have mages, and so we try to uh, capture a lot of like the fantasy elements that people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. So that kind of part of it feels very immersive and familiar uh, to give you kind of a good uh, starting point with where to kind of start your journey and, and build up your characters. Absolutely. Uh, and then the next game, and Mariano will talk to you about this game because uh, you helped me with this one. Uh, and you, more so than you helped me, you said I was really good at it, so that was why <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about it. Uh, transitioning again to a completely different style of game, which really shows your versatility just as a studio, Jelly Jams. Uh, yeah. I got to admit, I loved Jelly Jams a lot. I and too. I feel like I will play it a lot when it comes out. Um, but yeah, so tell people about Jelly Jams. Uh, in Jelly Jams, uh, you are participating in a jam festival and you run around in a small food truck with your hamster friend and mm-hmm. you're making jams for different competitions. And you, in each level, you have judges that require special recipes. It's either a croissant with jam or it's a strawberry jam or something else and you fulfill those and they give you likes. And based on likes you get stars mm-hmm. and you um, just move on with to a next festival in the next town. And uh, this game is colorful, bright. Uh, it's uh, we that one we focus mostly on match three mechanics mm-hmm. and making it engaging and a little different from what's on the market right now. And it's very hard to keep up with match three markets. Yeah. Super so crowded. for for the people listening who maybe that is an industry term that you might not know, you might not know the term. You know the games. So the <laughs> match three mechanic that Mariano was mentioning, Candy Crush. You know, and the million other variations that, that there are. So that is kind of that, you know, uh, aesthetic that you were going for. But yeah, like I said, it is to go into that market, which already has a lot, but then do something unique, you know, like you guys did with the way the levels were set up. That was something that, again, drew my attention because it was different. It was not a simple match three mechanic. There was more going on. Yeah, we have on some levels there is the the field with your fruits will move mm-hmm. and that will a little bit mess up your progress, but that's intentional and you'll uh, get out of it and we already like do some background work for make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, we have also a dress up room for your hamster friend <laughs> and uh, his clothes will give you additional points and stars another thing that was not disclosed to me (laughs) before i started playing granted i was doing well uh but then as i was changing the outfit they're like oh this would help and i was like okay so (laughs) it was good to know later yeah with that game it's very like challenging design Mm -hmm. wise it looks very simple it's like just fruits and you match three in a row and like what can go wrong but to build the economy inside the game, it was super hard, especially for people who just know how to just execute some design and mm-hmm. art and stuff. And they didn't know anything about that economy. And it took us years to oh, wow. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. And we're still learning. 
and uh yeah those mobile games this is completely different like structure that they use because it's mo more of a service than a game okay. and you need to keep players entertained for at least a year and you mm. need to like figure out how to do it and this is also a big challenge and so like for us as a studio is more it's easier to make like a bigger scale like um adventure like game that you can play for like eight hours mm -hmm. then to make this simple three in a row game but you can you will need to play it for a year yeah <laughs> well that is the thing is you know this ubiquitous term you know of people being video gamers and the thing that people have in their heads of who plays video games without realizing if you are on the bus in any major city you're surrounded by people playing video games whether it's something like a match three mechanic and so getting into that field where the game itself and like you said might look simple but keeping people engaged to play over and over for the long haul that is what is really impressive and definitely i can imagine that adds an additional challenge <laughs> oh, yeah. it's definitely yeah it was definitely the biggest change i feel when moving from you know the publisher supported studio mm -hmm. to one being independent where we're basically creating our own <clears throat> you know our own our own ips and our own pushes and and things like that and then the final game that i got the chance to play which is the one that i had seen showcased at the seattle indies expo definitely shout out to seattle indies expo go find them on social media uh, they do some incredible work just in the gaming community here in Seattle. Uh, and like Nicole mentioned, that was where we met. So the VR game that you were demoing that day was The Witching Tower. So I got to play that one. You can probably explain it better than I can. I will talk about my experiences with it, right. but definitely talk about The Witching Tower. Yeah, of course. So you got to try... Basically, so of all the games that you've talked about, The Witching Tower is kind of in the earliest stages. So okay. this is like Which our... Which is impressive because it was already <laughs> thank a you. really solid game. So congratulations to both of you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Yeah. it um, As Mariana mentioned, you know, we're really interested in kind of continuing the, the kind of like horror and mm -hmm. creepiness of a lot of our games. And uh, The Witching Tower is going to take a lot of our experiences building... Um, puzzles and creative kind of immersive environments but then putting that into uh, VR so it's kind of you saw with the the skeletons in the game mm -hmm. and then the epic uh, room scale puzzles yes. uh, the witching tower is basically going to be uh, a game where you have you know about eight different locations all within this tower that you are trapped um, as the hero character uh, Anna uh, you are basically trapped there by the evil queen who came to power after she learned to c control the undead. So mm. that kind of gives uh, a little bit more reasoning on why there's skeletons running around and why you had to fight off so many. <laughs> right. Perhaps there's some necromancy going on. Yep, yep. And a little bit of that. And, uh, you know, as kind of a counter to that uh, necromancy, you have uh, Anna that has kind of this magical, uh, as you saw, it, it's kind of like a magical lasso, but it's mm -hmm. going to kind of change in some of the later versions that we okay. end up putting with this game. But uh, it's going to be one of her uh, shackles that she basically ends up breaking free from. Okay. And she gets to use that as a weapon, you know. And Anna, as we kind of will reveal more as you kind of go throughout the game, uh, has a, a certain magical ability that makes her important and is why the the reason why the queen uh, trapped her in the tower in the first place. 
Okay. So and and it's kind of like most tower puzzle uh, rooms kind of go. Uh, you're basically trying to escape, and so you'll have mm-hmm. these eight different locations that you'll go through with puzzles ranging from small, you know, pulling the lever as you kind of did right. to more epic scale things where you're moving things that are, you know, on the ceiling or in the whole room. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah, you mentioned moving things on the ceiling. One of the first things that I do whenever I play a new VR game, I put on the goggles, grab the controllers, and I immediately start looking around in that VR space. Mm-hmm. Just as a reminder, just of how epic these can be. So in the witching tower, once I was past the little tutorial part, you know, and it was in the main play space, and I look up and I see these huge hemispheres, these globes, rather. I mean, it was just, even, so when you say it is in its infancy, and this is the earliest production, like, that was impressive. So that was, that was really well done, just to look up and be like, this looks, this already looks like a finished game. So wow. the fact that this oh is still gosh. early <laughs> is it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So that I mean, g- good. That's what kind of what we're going for. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, uh, we've taken this demo, you know, to six to Geek Girl Con to mm-hmm. we were at Maker Fair briefly and at Renton Comic Con. So we've been like basically giving the tour of this of this demo, and uh, it's definitely my favorite game to see people's reactions and how they mm. interact in VR. Um, and so that kind of will help us to build an even better and even more immersive uh, uh, demo kind of down the road. Yeah, absolutely. So in this, in the game also, because uh, I know some of my listeners are big fans of puzzle rooms. Mm-hmm. So this will combine that love and fascination with puzzle rooms with that love and fascination of video games and especially VR. And to me, it just kind of, it is that match made in heaven because you have those uh, same types of things you would have when you go to a puzzle room. We have several here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have those elements, but then you add into that the VR space and those mechanics. And it was just, it was really immersive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we want, we want to basically have, yeah, kind of push the envelope as far as like the puzzles that you can do. Cause obviously in puzzle rooms, you're kind of like limited as Mm -hmm. far as like what you physically interact with and stuff. And you mean, I do not have a magical lasso in some of the puzzle rooms, right? Yeah. You can't just (laughs) conjure a sword or, you know, and now I'm disappointed and I no longer want to attend any other puzzle rooms. Yeah. (laughs) Now it'll just be games, VR games. Um, and so, yeah, we want to do something similar where you have, you know, more magical puzzles Mm -hmm. that you can interact with and, uh, Ones that kind of test, uh, you know, creativity in different ways of thinking, not just, you know, the logic and, and those kinds of puzzles, too. Okay. Now, speaking on VR, this is a question for, for both of you. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel is the biggest hurdle that VR is facing right now? And how do we get over that? So, Mariana, how do we go first? Uh, so... For VR, I think the, mo- the most challenge is the motion, uh, and uh, some games do, like, you move with the camera together, and it makes a lot of people sick, me mm. specifically, <laughs> and uh, some games do teleports, and I think that's the best way right now. It breaks immersion a little bit, but not too much, and... Um, I think, yeah, that's the main thing that is... Uh, and, of course, the hardware. Like, not many people have uh, computers that can handle right. that. And, like, if you do... If you play on Gear VR, uh, 
uh, it still can't run the heavy games because it's the phone mm. and yeah it's still a lot of limitations but it will maybe next year it will be more unified and more people will be able to access those games and design wise uh, I think there's like incredible opportunities for developers to make games for VR because it's basically every genre can be reborn in VR because mm -hmm. like me as a player I was always wondering what if I'm inside the game and I'm mm. just looking at all these things with my own eyes and just interacting with my hands not like a cursor or a controller mm -hmm. and uh, for us as a mostly puzzle developers uh, the puzzles are challenging because you can't do anything small right. uh, because it's just boring and you just need to look down and it will make you sick and it all needs to be big scale puzzles and they're not too easy to come up with you need to like spend a few hours <laughs> uh, yeah, just a few just a few okay yeah, and the story too is challenging because you need to tell a story like you would tell it in the real world. Mm -hmm. Like you will meet some characters, you will f physically pick things up and look at them. Maybe they will tell you some narrative piece and you can't do any cutscenes or cinematics because... Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, they uh, developers find ways to do it. They will like put a TV in the room, and there will be a cutscene or a book, and there will be some like moving images, and yeah, that way they get it away. But mm -hmm. you can do a lot of character interactions, and like something's happening without you participating, and yeah, that that's gonna be challenging. <laughs> okay. Nicole, what about you? Oh, gosh. Well, Mar Mariana covered a, pretty much most of my concerns. I will mm -hmm. second the, the hardware and accessibility. Um, just because, yeah, we're, we're basically floating between, you know, these two different, uh, you know, this high, much more high-quality VR experiences that are tied to, like, PC and console mm -hmm. versus, like, the mobile uh, the mobile VR, which is a lot more accessible, but you're a lot more limited on what you can create right. for it. And for us wanting to do, you know, room scale, big things, mm -hmm. it just won't run on the phones. And there's yeah. not really a way that we can change that, uh, you know. And even with, uh, um, even with the announcement of the new Oculus Go and stuff like that, which has been kind of cool, and that only happened, I think, last week. Mm -hmm. And it's been so long. <laughs> uh you know, think uh, VR is becoming more accessible, and I feel like more people will get adopted to it and, and uh, see that as like the next wave of gaming. It's just, yeah, basically getting something that is affordable and that people, you know, feel that it has enough value for them to basically add to their, you know, PS4s and their Wii's and right. all of that. Because so. I mean, that that is true. I mean, even with whenever a new console comes out, you know, mm -hmm. and it is. $700, $800, that is tough, you know, mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah. If you want to put together a VR PC, you are looking at more 1500 and and mm -hmm. things like that. So mm -hmm. it really, I mean, yeah, so I agree with both of you with that. I think that hardware piece is something that, yeah, is going to be, you know, a challenge, let alone, I mean, that is just on the consumer side. On the game developer side, of course, 
it has so many other just you know expansive possibilities but then it is like okay we know how to do this in regular video game <laughs> terms how do we transition this into vr mm-hmm. is going to be pretty fascinating to watch <laughs> yeah and i mean it's been it's been fun basically uh you know being at these early stages of it mm-hmm. you know before vr is becoming a big thing and so you can basically network with a lot of these different companies that are basically asking similar questions right. and are trying out different things with their games that they're putting out mm-hmm. um and i think that's uh, speaking of another thing that you know as far as worried about in vr is you know the announcement that triple a triple a title companies and stuff are starting to enter the fray you mm-hmm. know and all of us indies are like oh god no don't <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like i'm sure i'm sure you will produce great experiences but you know it's such a difficulty like one as an indie studio to like make a vr game you know mm-hmm. with all these different uh you know factors uh and then releasing it to a very limited audience and we Absolutely. just don't we just don't have the same kind of reach that we do that triple A, you know, titles and companies have. And so there's a worry about basically getting left in the dust if if triple A, you know, titles and, and things like that start making it into VR and basically pushing it out. But that's I mean, that's I, the pessimistic side of me. I'm I'm, I'm I'm very I'm very hopeful because you can mm-hmm. actually create some really cool things in VR and just blow people away, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean that indie market, I mean I have done episodes before you know just about indie game spotlights and i think that is a justifiable concern Mm -hmm. my optimism is that no matter what the big studios are doing the creativity that you guys are showing here and the innovation that you guys are showing here that is something that indie spirit will never go away and so even if those triple a studios are doing things like skyrim in vr which sounds insane Mm -hmm. What the indie studios are going to be doing, that fire that the indie studios have to constantly be innovating, I have full faith in in you guys and all the other indie VR studios to rise to that challenge if it happens. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we're feeling it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, since becoming even more part of the uh, Seattle indie community, we kind of mm-hmm. also have this, you know, kindled, kindled spirit too, where we're like, yes, we all feel that same way and we are greater and you know kind of supporting each other as as indie game developers yeah uh mariana you mentioned you know when you're playing video games Mm -hmm. you know you'd picture yourself in them Mm -hmm. so another question for both of you best video game memory go (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i actually uh i just played uh major's tale for vr Mm -hmm. and I like that game a lot and the my favorite moment from there was when I moved a giant um I don't know how to call it like a cement pieces so they all lined up and there was a bridge and I was walking on that bridge so I mm-hmm. did a lot of effort and I visually saw that it helped me progress and it's in room scale vr it just looks amazing and so magical Mm. with like all the particle and all that stuff so yeah i just like puzzles and experiences like that okay (laughs) as i was a mage's tale yeah okay mage's tale yeah and i also recently played um at oculus connect um the game called arctica and it's a first person shooter uh, in vr and I really like that game. It really feels very smooth, like mm-hmm. shooting in that game, and it, it, and it's, it feels very real, like with all the 
um, like bad guys shooting at you and uh, you're in that kind of post-apocalyptic, I don't know, state, um, station or something okay. in Arctica. Yeah, so that was pretty cool, even though I was totally bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Nicole, favorite video game memory? Oh my gosh. Well, if Mariana gets two, I'm going to talk about two. <laughs> Go one, for it. One, one as far as uh, uh, stuff, and I guess I'll kind of focus on things that I've played recently. So um, one of the games that I've started playing again since I got I got a PS4 earlier this year. So mm-hmm. I get to now kind of discover all the games for that uh, console. And right. I, honestly, of all the different titles I picked, the first one I went for was Overcooked. Uh, because I love games about like food. That's just that's just a personal thing. That's not okay. necessarily related to a Daily Magic Productions thing. But I do like games that have kind of a nice immersive environment about like food and cooking and things like that. So okay. if there if, if anyone out there actually wants to make me a game, <laughs> anything that has to do with uh, food and cooking, I will usually immediately gravitate. Towards. Is Overcooked the one where you have four people and you're trying to do orders? Yes, yes. I so think I played that at. I think Geek Girl Con at the Indies booth last year. Okay. All right. That's a pretty, pretty deep cut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that one was just, uh, I had a favorite experience recently where we didn't have enough controllers. You know, we had, mm-hmm. you know, more people than we had controllers. And uh, I found out that that game lets you play split on a controller. So oh, two people, <laughs> c- two people can play their different characters and basically share a controller between them. Uh, and it makes the game go be even crazier. <laughs> basically, okay. it's because we're, you know, all trying to trying to move our characters around, trying to push buttons um, on our side of the controller while also trying not to like pull it away from the other person. And, you know, in this game, try to cook orders in, mm-hmm. you know, environments that are moving. You know, sometimes you're on trucks. Sometimes there's people walking in front of you. Some things catch on fire. Right. Stuff like that. So that was definitely like probably okay. my my personal uh, uh, favorite memory, and then, gosh, yeah, I've been playing a lot of VR games for, uh, you know, just kind of studying for for the Witching Tower and just mm-hmm. kind of understanding a little bit more, and oh man, I've been really enjoying Dead and Buried on Oculus. That, okay, that came as a recommendation from. Uh, from Tim of Oculus, who I know mm-hmm. you also uh, Tim Collins. know, yep. and he also is on this show sometimes. Yep. So, friend uh, of the podcast, Tim Collins. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hope he's listening. Oh, he is. Um, and if not, he will be. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been tuning into to that game more. I'm usually not one for shooters, but mm-hmm. uh, that one just has like a really interesting like reload mechanic where you just kind of like flick your oh, wrist. Oh yeah, yeah. And because everything's a result, uh, or every gun in there is like, or, or at least the guns you start with is a revolver you know mm-hmm. you kind of like throw out all the shells and you flip them back and you that's Did how you get you reload. the sawed off shotgun when you played no no i've not gotten mm. there have you i so- i played it at the oculus party uh before pax weekend oh, or nice. during pax weekend and yeah that mechanic you have the shotgun and you flick it down oh. and the shells pop out what yeah i'll see see and this is something i see apparently i need to get further further on in that game because uh, I've, I've only played with like uh like i got to throw dynamite uh, Ooh, you know and okay. there's nothing there's no reloading on that there's no, uh, not so much no no <laughs> it's a pretty pretty straightforward but yeah i've enjoyed basically how immersive that in- environment is mm-hmm. you know and have it even though it's just about shooting mm-hmm. you just shoot zombies and and other people it's it feels like very cool because it feels like I'm actually in the old west. The fact that I get to play with cards, I get to yeah reload mm-hmm. guns kind of naturally. It uh, yeah feels really good. <laughs> nice. 
Very cool. So just a couple more questions. Um, so when when people see the Daily Magic Productions logo, what do you want that person to feel? Oh, Mariana. Wow. Oh, that's deep. <laughs> this is like a, like a marketing question. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Uh, or Nicole, I would, well, I would want people to associate our company with like mystery experiences and games specifically so that ideally what i would want but we now have very diverse portfolio so i'm not sure (laughs) but we're very user focused company like uh, while we were working with big fish we they trained us to be very attentive to like all the user data we did like two Amir play testing sessions and stuff and we understand like how to work with that data really well mm-hmm. and i also want people to think oh daily magic they're really good at listening to their players and we, they do Excellent. what they want <laughs> okay mm-hmm. nicole yeah yeah i want um Honestly, the first thing that I that I see uh, when I first came onto this company is like was really amazed by the quality of art and just the high level of detail and like puzzles and characters and environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I want I want people that when they see our name to kind of associate like that kind of high quality art or like Mariana was saying, kind of like this mystery adventure or a you know creepy and horror kind of. Uh, uh, association with like our games or our our name so how that actually will work and whether people actually think that you know that's something that as we do more outreach as i send more newsletters and things and and actually establish that you know connection between the name and uh, what we do is kind of yeah on me (laughs) and all of us i guess (laughs) fantastic now when it comes to vr so i i've been playing vr only for about a year now uh at pax last year was the first time where i really got to spend some time with it uh, and then went down to Inverse Studios and things like that. I have a question. Wh- how far away are we from the holodeck? Oh, okay. Because I want a holodeck. All right. And so for so this is going to be weird because we're. I mean, I'm, I'll speak for Mariana. Where I don't know how big of Star Trek fans we are, but I mm-hmm. understand the holodeck is basically a room that you can just program to like walk into to do like. Training sessions or adventures or to like pretend like you're talking to your family or stuff like that. Um, Gosh, how far away are (laughs) we? Actually, at the Oculus Connect, they were announcing that we're pretty close. Oh, really? Yeah, because they invented that dash uh, and it's like a... It's like your desktop, but in VR. And you have like your social media. You have your FaceTime with your grandma. You have your games and you can draw and you can do all kinds of things. So it's, I think, very close there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, with uh, 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 people are really looking into like the social aspects of VR. Right. Uh, and, and the connecting that way. And so for, for Holodeck, if you're like con- connecting with people, I feel like, yeah, give it like a f- couple more years. It sounds like both Microsoft and, you know, Oculus Facebook are very interested in making it to that point. The other cool thing about uh, VR and social spaces is being able to have, you know, locations or mm-hmm. meetings anywhere. So yeah, you could have something that looks like your office or you could have it where it looks outside or 
what was kind of awkward about the Oculus thing is is Zuckerberg showed everyone like this is what Puerto Rico looks like right now. And so Ugh. it was it was it was kind of yeah. an incentive kind of awkward thing, but mm-hmm. there was that level of, you know, bringing someone to that location mm. in order to kind of get that feeling of empathy or yeah. you know that, that they're actually there in that kind of situation. So okay. full room holodeck <laughs> uh changes uh you know where the walls and stuff change. I don't know how far that you know, give give Facebook and Oculus like another like 15 years and maybe they'll do something crazy like that. But as far as it all being in your headset, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I feel like we're already there as far as holodeck. <laughs> nice. I like it. Cool. And then as far as social media, where can people get the most up-to-date information about everything that goes on at Daily Magic Productions? All right. So, yeah, if you're on Twitter, uh, you can follow us at, at Daily Magic Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also on Facebook, we're also Daily Magic Productions, or I think you can search Daily Magic. It's also at slash Daily Magic Pro. Okay. Yeah. And we have like Instagram and all that stuff and YouTube. But yeah, I was going like... to say, those are probably the main things you <laughs> yeah. want to follow. Um, you're also welcome to go yeah, to our like... site, which is uh, dailymagic.info. Okay. Um, and then you can follow basically all the different games that we release there. Uh, and then they all have their own separate uh, social media accounts. And as Mariana said, yeah, we're on YouTube. A lot of them have like Instagrams mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. But yeah, Twitter at Daily Magic Pro, Facebook slash Daily Magic Pro will kind of get you the base bases covered. Excellent. And in the show notes uh, below, I will put a link to all the different projects that are going on. The only one that is currently available that people can play right now is sender unknown the woods yep uh, and then in the next couple months you'll be rolling out some other ones yeah so be on the lookout for uh royal legacy jelly jams uh we'll also there's also a email sign up on our website as okay. well Excellent. um so you can stay kind of up to date on the newsletter on uh, i'll be sharing like when certain things release or when we do you know, awesome interviews like we're doing now oh, and stuff you. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of the, the best place to, to catch us. Yeah. And also, of course, all our games that we released with Big Fish are available okay. to public and uh, they're all on bigfish.com website and uh, on iOS as well on App Store. Most of them were ported to mobile. Yeah. So if um, you... If there's interest for mystery adventures, there's 25 games like that already <laughs> from okay. us. Yeah. Enough yeah. to keep you busy for a while. <laughs> for a while. Yeah, at least, yeah, it'll keep you busy until uh, the VR gets out. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much uh, for inviting me to the studio. Uh, as a general thing, anytime anybody is interested and they send me an email like, hey, you want to come to the studio and play video games and talk to us about it? The answer is going to be yes. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, Nicole, for, for reaching out and inviting me to Daily Magic Productions. It has been a blast. I am definitely looking forward to playing Sender Unknown because I can do that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jelly Jams, I will be downloading as soon as I can because Match 3 Mechanics, uh, I'm kind of addicted to. And if I'm <laughs> able to put together a VR PC <laughs> once this podcast becomes a huge success, yep. then I, just, I cannot wait to play the rest of the games you guys have. So thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Mariana. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the About to Interview podcast, which is an About to Interview production. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up, and check out the full show notes with links to the guests below, as well as on the website aboutttoreview.com. 
Thank you to my amazing guests. And also thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio and video editing services for this podcast. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find all of their work at vexingmedia.com, as well as on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media. Make sure to follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About Treeview, and subscribe to the podcast About Treeview, which comes out every Wednesday. 